Are you ready for the latest Habs news, passionate debate, and in-depth analysis from hockey experts around the league? It's the most informative and interactive podcast about the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast, featured on allhabs.net, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. How's it going, Habs fans? We're back with you again. It's the Canadians Connection Podcast. And it's uh, Saturday, January 12th, 2019. And uh, yeah, so I'm here with the John LeClaire to my Tory Mitchell, Mr. Rick Stevens. It's episode 17. So two 17s, one from the 90s that won a cup and one from recently. So I think that makes sense. <laughs> wow, you've been doing some digging. That that sounds great. Uh, I'm running out of here. Yeah, it's great to have you. You're running it's great out to have all of your listeners along. I am running out of dynamic duos, so what I figured <laughs> is I will tie in the number with with two players and and see what happens there at least for some of them. So, uh it's been an interesting week for the Montreal Canadiens, Rick, uh and it's hard to believe that we're already at the uh episode 17. We've done 16 of these things. My goodness. But uh it was an interesting week for the Montreal Canadiens after last week when we were talking about the Montreal Canadiens and saying that they had you know, a pretty good road trip. Uh, they went in that night, which was uh, last Saturday, and they lost 4-1 to Nashville. Then they followed that up with a one nothing loss at the hands of the Minnesota Wilds with a uh, unfortunate play from Jeff Petrie at the end of that to, uh, to uh, break the tie and give Minnesota the advantage. And then they went out on the road, a 3-2 victory, and then they ended their, uh, at least the uh, middle of the week, I guess. They still have a game tonight, but ended this that part of their schedule with a 4-1 loss at the hands of the St. Louis Blues and what was a pretty uh, brutal showing with uh, 21 high-danger scoring chances against. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't exactly a great week to pick out winners for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, but we did our best. So uh, shall we dive right into winners and losers, Rick? Sure, let's, let's do that. Let's get right into it. All right. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. So I'll get us started this week, and it, yeah, as I said, it wasn't exactly an easy, <laughs> an easy task to come up with a winner of the week for a week where the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, they only managed five goals. So unless you're going to go with Carey Price, which we have done uh, multiple times, it was a little bit difficult to come up with a winner. But for me. One guy that I haven't yet given the honor of winner of the week, um, at least for my my choice of the winner of the week, you've given it to him, I believe, uh, once, perhaps twice. But for me, Tomas Tatar has been one of the most consistent Canadian skaters. And uh, it's just kind of been overshadowed at points. And, and some weeks he's been on my board, but there's a guy that just plays a little bit better or something happens and, and I, I decide to give it to another player. But this week he returned to Detroit, picked up two assists. And I mean, I think it's fair to say that he has one of, I know that, you know, you have Arturi Lekkinen up there, you have Brendan Gallagher up there, but Tomas Tatar has a pretty high work ethic as a, as a forward for the Montreal Canadiens. And it kind of shows in a play where uh, they did get scored on, unfortunately, but he got tied up with Brett Kulak and 
after they kind of, I think it's more on Kulak than it was on Tatar. I think Tatar had a little bit more uh, claim to that puck and, and Kulak tried to come in and clear it out, both with the best of intentions. Unfortunately, they get tied up with each other and that that uh, that frees up Anthanasiu for a scoring opportunity, which he made good on. But I think that Tomas Tatar showed everything that you need to know about Tomas Tatar with the way that he tried to get back in that play. And he got on his horse and he tried everything he could to get back and break that play up. Unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. And we saw other players throughout this week that quite frankly, didn't show that kind of effort when they turned the puck over, when they're then when they were the ones at fault, they coasted and we're going to get into it. But Tomas Tatar has been uh, just, I mean, when you think about the fact that he was essentially a throw in in a trade where the, as, as Mark Bergevin said before the World Juniors, where Nick Suzuki was the main piece, where he was that piece that you're getting back for Max Pacioretty, to have Tomas Tatar just thrown into that and the way that he's come and performed, I, I mean, I, I, I can't believe that I've gone this far without giving Tomas Tatar my winner of the week. So uh, I, uh, I had no other choice with a nice performance in Detroit to give uh, Tomas Tatar the, uh, the nod this week. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. The only the only um, thing I'll quibble with is is him being characterized as a, as a throw in. I would say that he was a bit more of a salary yeah. dump uh, salary, for yeah, uh, yeah and, and I think that's that's why he was included in the deal. But um, you know, credit to him for his attitude. As you said, um, his work ethic has been there for for most of the season. Um, he's, he's second on the team in points. He's, he's, uh, um, second among forwards as far as plus minus he's, he's, uh, been pretty responsible defensively. Um, he's, uh, as far as power play goals, he's, he, and, and I know, I know that's <laughs> something we'll be talking about a little later. Um, uh, he has four goals on the power play. Not, not a lot to, to uh, brag about there, but he does lead the team. Um, yeah. and, and so, um, I, I think he's been a, a, a nice, uh, uh, surprise, you know, given that, that he was a healthy scratch more often than not with, with Vegas yeah. Golden Knights, um, kind of a nice surprise this year. So, uh, yeah, good on you for, for, uh, recognizing, <laughs> uh, his, his efforts and, and making him, uh, one of our winners of the week. Yeah, finally, I'm sure that he's uh, he's relieved to know after uh, <laughs> after all this time. So, um, well, I guess we'll move on now to a guy that was a part of the Montreal Canadiens organization, was a former prospect in the Montreal Canadiens system, who we're going to hear about a little bit later on tonight. But before we get there, you'd like to uh, to give him a little bit of a, of a nod for your for your choice as winner of the week. I would. And um, as you said, it was a, it was a difficult week um, for the Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I was thinking about, um, you know, who, who, who deserves uh, the mention this week, who, who has distinguished themselves this week, that's kind of a, a hard time with it. And, and um, I've got all these post-it notes on my, on my monitor um, actually, there's one. There's one here that that I should mention. I'll, I'll interrupt my story for a post-it note, and that is, <laughs> that is, 
if you're listening and you want to call in, we'll take your calls in the third segment. Uh, to reach uh, the podcast, um, the studio number is 213-943-3754, 213-943-3754. If you're listening to us on demand uh, after we've aired live, uh, text us. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you in next week. Um, and if you want to text us, that number is even easier. It's 5853-ROCKET, 5853-ROCKET. Um, but my other post-it note has been staring <laughs> at me all week. And it has the name of uh, former Canadians prospect Connor Crisp on it. And, um, and the reason it's there is to remind me that tonight on the CBC, uh, there's going to be a feature on Connor Crisp. Uh, now, who is Connor Crisp? Um, you might have heard of Terry Crisp uh, um, with connections to St. Louis and Calgary and and uh, and uh, in management, uh, a hockey player, but also in management uh, in the NHL. Um, uh, Terry Crisp is Connor's uncle, and uh, Connor Crisp was um, uh, uh, drafted by the Canadians third round draft pick back in, in 2013. Um, he, uh, uh, he had a great uh, junior career. Um, he, uh, a skilled guy, a, a goal scorer um, yeah. with, uh, with Erie. And then he, he went on to, uh, to Sudbury um, uh, multiple 20 goal seasons. And, and uh, so he was, he was a, a skilled guy. Um, had good hands um, and played with an edge, uh, played with a bit of an edge and could drop the gloves um, uh, when needed to. And, and uh, in junior, he had over a uh, hundred minutes in penalties and came to the um, Hamilton Bulldogs um, after being uh, drafted by the Canadians and then on to the, the St. John's ice caps mm-hmm. And he ran into a um, string of injuries. Um, yeah. And 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 really, um, you know, his AHL career, the 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 most games he played in a in a season was 39 with Hamilton, and um, that really uh, hampered his development. Was uh, was his injuries, and uh, he ran into. Um, uh, I remember a. a uh, an issue that he was coming back from injury and, and uh, being there in practice on the road um, and working for hours with Donald Dufresne. Donald Dufresne was so good to him uh, working <laughs> on his skating, pushing him hard and um, yelling at him and get, and, and Connor Crisp just had this signature smile the entire time. He just had this, He's a charismatic guy. Um, he's articulate. He's got this great smile, and he just loves the game of hockey. And and uh, you could see it e- even when he was working his ass off. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, we caught up to him. Um, uh, he had he had been sent from from uh, St. John's to Brampton when Brampton was uh, the Beast were still the ECHL affiliate with Canadians and. Um, he was so excited um, uh, to uh, when Brampton clinched a spot in the playoffs, we met up with him in, in Reading, Pennsylvania. And, and that smile was there again. And he just talked about um, how excited he was to, 
have won for the first time a, a playoff series. Um, and they were, the team was going to be on this Kelly uh, cup run. And he said, you know what? Um, I've always wanted to come to the rink in flip flops and shorts. And um, now I get my chance. Um, <laughs> he just loved the game um, so much. And um, yeah, they, they won that over the, the Reading Royals. Um, every time you talk to him, he was, t- he, he would either talk about learning the game uh, and learning from everybody, or he would talk about how much um, uh, he loved, um, he loved the game of hockey, he loved his job. He, he talked about, um, you know, what else, what, what else would I be doing working a 12 hour shift in Tim Hortons, but I get come to the rink and be spend time with my best friends. Um, yeah. He just had an enthusiasm and an attitude um, that um, made him one of the nicest guys that, uh, that I've met genuinely nice guys. Um, and sadly um, a year ago uh, he announced on social media uh, that he was retiring uh, from hockey, and um, uh, he had he had had I guess seven or eight concussions in his career. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to read you the statement that he put out, um, uh, and this was um, yeah, this was this was earlier this year, September 23rd, um, 2018. It's with great emotion that I announced my retirement from professional hockey. The past several years, I've been battling several post-concussion symptoms that I've continued to get that have continued to get worse every season, every hit, and every fight. Daily headaches, migraines, anxiety, depression, blurred vision—the list goes on. It's been the toughest summer of my career and life having to make this decision. I want to leave the game that I've loved so long on my terms. To all the great friends I've met along the way, coaches who have guided me, trainers and fans, my life to this point wouldn't be the same without you. Hockey has done a lot of great things for me in my life, but the bond that it's created with my family is like no other. Um, and, and just a, a, a kind of a sad moment for him, um, but he didn't miss a beat and has set up a, a youth hockey school and um, uh, it looks like he's, uh, you know, from what he's posted and, and the videos, the training videos, and um, he, he looks like he's, he's uh, stepped right into it and uh, into the next part of his career and is enjoying it just as much as, as he enjoyed hockey. But I know he, you know, he, he misses, he misses uh, hockey and his teammates. Um, tonight on uh, CBC, there's going to be a feature on Connor Crisp, and one of the reasons we wanted to, I wanted to highlight him today. Um, if you want to know more about him, um, check out. Uh, we have some um, a couple of, of videos that uh, uh, Amy Johnson interviewed him a couple of times um, uh, back in 2017 when they were on when Brampton was on this playoff run. Look for those and and. Uh, he talks um, uh, talks a little bit about you know the the the, the post game the game that he was in, but but more so about his love for hockey and about uh, his his kind of view of an attitude uh, towards uh, towards hockey and towards life, uh, and it's and it's kind of inspiring. And be sure to watch the the uh, the CBC feature on him tonight. And uh, for all those reasons, 
uh, Connor Crisp, uh, you're one of the, the, as I say, the best guys uh, I've met in hockey. Uh, pleased to have talked to you a number of times, and uh, and I'm making you my winner of the week. Yeah, and that's that's a well deserved uh, well deserved nod for for Connor Crisp. It's always, you know, with everything that we know now about uh, concussions and post concussion syndrome, it's great to see that a guy who unfortunately had his career cut incredibly short has found something that, that still, I mean, he's still involved in the game in a way that, you know, he can, he can still be involved in his passion. And that's, that's, that's really great. And uh, as you say, check out the, the interviews that Amy did with him uh, when uh, Brampton was on that run to the Kelly cup. And, uh, and as you say, the feature tonight on the CBC is sure to be a a very interesting, uh, interesting look at the life of uh, Connor Crisp right now. So with all the, one more more thing to check out, and that is, I should have mentioned it earlier, his website, and that's crisp training, sorry, crisp hockey training.com crisp hockey training.com. Yeah. And uh, have a look at that as well. So, I guess we'll uh, move right along, and after a quick break, we're going to come at you with our losers of the week, which will lead into a discussion about the Montreal Canadiens' power play, which has uh, that remains a very uh, a struggle to watch, and uh, they've certainly had their issues. So we'll dive into that when we return after this quick break. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas, sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are located in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We were uh, we gave our winners of the week just a little bit earlier on. Uh, mine was Tomas Tatar, and Rick was uh, Connor Crisp. 
who uh, will have a feature about him tonight on the CBC. And uh, as he said, there are plenty of, uh, there are a couple of interviews that he's done with uh, the AHL report when the uh, Brampton Beasts were on the run to the Kelly Cup. So give those a watch as well as a little bit of a primer for uh, tonight. <laughs> so uh, we'll dive right in now with our losers of the week. And we felt that this was, uh, this was appropriate to kind of divide this up because our losers of the week kind of play into the way that the Montreal Canadiens power play has been going in uh, recent times and basically all season. Uh, so I'll get us started uh, with my loser of the week, which is Max Domi. And Max Domi had, uh, it was another tough week for Max Domi. I mean, I don't think he was that great last week. I don't think he's been great from basically December on. And there are numbers that would support that argument where he has since December 1st, he has three goals and 10 assists. That's 13 points in 20 games played. So to keep, this all in perspective before that he had 11 goals and 15 assists. So he's padded on with some assists getting, you know, 10 more, but he really hasn't been the same guy that he was to start this season. And the Montreal Canadians came out of, you know, came out of training camp, came out of uh, the regular season or rather the preseason, they came out flying and, and they looked like they were going to be a team that, you know, at least if, if nothing else, and they said this and we argued, we were talking about this, they were going to be entertaining. They were going to bring a certain entertainment value. And Max Domi in the early going looked like he was going to be a massive part of that. And since December 1st, we've seen it go the other way where he has been, like he's been, okay, so he's not really producing at the level that he was in, you know, or late October, early November. He isn't, if he's not producing offensively, he isn't good enough defensively to, to really merit him being on the ice for where he, he is with, with 17-39 being his average time on ice. It, it just, it baffles me that every game, regardless of what happens, and I know that tonight Claude Julien has shifted it up a little bit, but every game he's going out there and he's getting about 17 minutes. Keep in mind, he had... 17 minutes, 29 seconds versus St. Louis. And that was a dreadful effort where on two goals, Jay Bomeister, Jay Bomeister's goal, that was the third one, and, uh, and Oscar Sundqvist, so that was the second one, both of those goals, he was in the area and just completely gave up and started coasting. And I mentioned that when Tomas Tatar got tied up with Brett Kulak when he was trying to clear the puck, that guy got on his horse. He got back there. He couldn't, unfortunately, stop the Red Wings from scoring, but he got back there, and it actually looked like he cared about playing or being responsible defensively. With Max Domi, those goals, I mean, the Jay Bomeister one especially, like he just, after he got the, to the blue line, to his own blue line, he just completely gave up and started coasting. It, if you're going to be a centerman, you have got to show some sort of responsibility defensively or even that you care at all about defense because right now what we're seeing is a guy who is consistently shown that he is not good enough defensively being thrown out over and over and over again and I mentioned that he's getting about 17 minutes of average ice time and you have Yasperi Kotkaniemi who's sitting at 14 in that game against St. Louis Yasperi Kotkaniemi got 15 minutes to Max Domi's 17:29, and you know it, it just it boggles my mind because this is what 
the Montreal Canadiens have talked about, that this year isn't exactly what they're focused on. It's the years to come. So when you have Jesperi Kotkaniemi sitting there on the bench watching a guy like Max Domi play the way he's played, what message is that sending to Jesperi Kotkaniemi when, quite frankly, he's been better than Max Domi since December? I understand if you want to shelter him or, you know, kind of give him a role that he will thrive in, and that's why you've not, you haven't really uh, increased his ice time. But at some point, you have to look at the way that Max Domi is playing and say, this is not good enough. And we can do better than this. And maybe Jesperi Kukkaniemi at 18 has the has better tools to do that at this point than Max Domi because maybe Max Domi isn't a centerman. I um, yeah, you know that that phrase always make a good first impression, and and uh, I think I think that's what happened with Max Domi is certainly. Yeah. Uh, in the off season, um, he was uh, speaking of charisma with with uh, Connor Crisp. Max Domi has charisma in spades, and and was the social media star for the Canadians in the off season. Then had a great start to to uh, the the regular season. Um, Eleven goals in his first twenty two games, um, and you know, um, people then talked about how how Mark Bergevin uh, just um, um, destroyed uh, Arizona in the trade. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and so, the, you know, the, the Max Domi that, that we saw in, in um, Arizona didn't, didn't at all resemble the one um, who was uh, uh, shining in Montreal. And, and everyone said, well, you know, he just needed the, the spotlight and, and for him, for mm-hmm. his true, qualities to come through and, and maybe part of that is true yeah um, but 11 goals in his first 22 games was followed by three goals in his next uh, 23 games um, yeah and it's been zero goals in the last I don't even know how many um, 15. 15 um so I, I think we're seeing the kind of the kind of issues that had existed in um, in Arizona, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not only the, you know, the, he isn't getting it done, um, on the power play. Obviously the, the, the Canadians are worst in the league on, in, with respect to the power play. So, um, you know, Max is part of that, but not getting it done five on five, um, either. And what bothers me, Max Domi is an emotional player. He's, he's, uh, you know, the motion uh, fuels uh, his drive, uh, but it also has a bad side. And we've seen yep. some really bad penalties um, where he takes out his frustrations and, and, and those are obvious, but, but simple things um, in the Red Wings game, uh, he's, he's, uh, caught holding behind the Red Wings net, you know, 200 feet from your goal. It, it, it's just a dumb penalty, a really dumb penalty. Uh, and defensively, as you, you very uh, clearly said, uh, um, it's not so, so much that, that uh, you know, he's not familiar with, with playing defense. It's just his effort level. And to yeah. see him stop skating in so many instances – um, is is disheartening and 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 those are the kind of things where where you look at it and say 
somebody's got to hold these players accountable. Uh, and that's yeah. usually the head coach. And, um, um, you know, we had, we had Claude Julian uh, threaten, I guess, uh, on Wednesday and after practice that if um, uh, uh, Max Domi and Jonathan Druin didn't uh, show some improvement, he was going to uh, break them up. They played together on, on Thursday night. And now for uh, tonight's game, uh, we've got a new set of lines, which, uh, which has them playing, um, playing on, on two different lines. So um, maybe that's the start of being accountable, but it seems, it seems this could have, um, you know, with no production or very little production in the last 23 games, it seems to be a little bit late. Yeah. And to that, I also say just because, you know, the threat to break them up, I mean, that doesn't automatically mean that there's going to be a cut to the ice time. That just means that they're going to be playing on different lines with different players. And yes, those players might be a little bit more responsible defensively, but I mean, it's still going to bring some of the same issues or at least I would think that. I, I mean, we don't really know. We haven't seen them with other players for quite a while because they've been kind of uh, uh, just sewn together all season. But at the same time, uh, there isn't really a whole lot of encouragement to uh, to go off of with the way that Max Domi and, and Jonathan Drouin have both played in recent times. So I suppose that leads quite naturally into uh, your loser of the week. And uh, I'll just mention again, uh, we're, we're going to be getting to your responses to our, yes. our uh, Canadians yeah. Connection um, question of the week. And the question of the week is, uh, with both players slumping, what should be done with uh, Duran and Domi uh, to get them going? Uh, and if you want to get in on that, um, respond to the question on our social media, uh, either on uh, Twitter um, you can respond to uh, the question uh, that was tweeted out from all Habs or uh, the Habs Connection uh, Twitter um, and, uh, and Joe, Joe Whalen19 uh, on your account. On Facebook, uh, look for all Habs and you can, you can uh, find the uh, uh, fan page, the all Habs fan page on Facebook to let your opinion be known or call us 213-943-3754. Uh, or text us uh, at uh, five eight five three rocket. But yes, naturally, uh, as you said, uh, that leads us um, <laughs> to the other loser of the week, and that has to be Jonathan Druen. I, I mean, yeah. uh, the, the whole week was uh, was kind of um, a little odd, I think, um, um, because we uh, we've seen something that we haven't quite seen before. And that was um, story after story after story um, about Jonathan Drouin. Um, and, yeah. and a lot of it coming from uh, the French media. Um, and we, we saw um, um, J.C. Lejoie, he, he talked about, uh, uh, talked about uh, uh, if... Uh, the Canadians were to uh, revisit the the trade if if they were to make the trade today of uh, Jonathan Duran with uh, Mikhail Sergachev. Um, he said, um, in his opinion, you wouldn't touch uh, Duran with a ten foot pole. There, there's no way. <laughs> um, it's just um, uh, he's just soft and 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 lazy. 
Um, I mean, this went on and on and on, Um, you know, whatever source you, you, you looked at, it was just uh, one after another that um, Jonathan Joanne and, and I mean, it's one thing to talk about, about, about numbers, but I think more importantly is, is talking about um, uh, effort and, um, and it's clear that um, there's, um, there's just a disinterest. Um, yeah. He's just not engaged at certain points. Whenever he doesn't, uh, whenever Duran doesn't have the puck, he's not engaged. And, and I don't remember who it is, but one um, uh, journalist had said, it's as if playing defense is beneath him. That yeah. uh, this, this arrogance that he has, um, um, this, this, you know, that, 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 that playing defense is, is not for him. Um, and, and again, uh, something has to be done uh, to bring that to, to his attention. Um, because when the media ask him about it, um, he brushes it off and says, it's not a big deal. He knows that he's playing well. He tells the media that he's playing well. Um, and this week he said that, um, yeah, he's aware that that uh, hasn't scored in a while. Uh, and that he's in a scoring slump, but that he's had some of his best games, and that that what the media don't understand is that you can have some of you can play well, you can have some of your best games without uh, scoring. Um, I just think that's absolutely delusional. Uh, <laughs> that that he doesn't have a very good self awareness uh, to understand, um, you know, what makes a, a good effort out there, and. All right, we see Druan with uh, Deno and Gallagher uh, as the projections project one of the projected lines tonight. Uh, so away from Domi, but but still, uh, that's that's going to be a line as you've said that that gets an awful lot of minutes. And and um, I don't, I I still don't know that that gets the message across that yeah. um, he's 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 playing. Uh, a non-team game. He's playing um, uh, soft. He's playing lazy. Um, and those aren't just my comments. Those those are stacking up now from both the English yeah. and, and French media. Um, and one of the, I mean, the, the other night against St. Louis, um, there was about six minutes left. The Canadians were on the power play. And Duran went end-to-end um, a rush. Um, to, to no avail. I mean, it didn't, nothing happened. Um, <laughs> but, but ever, you know, there was, there was the Druan fans who, who claim that he's got some sort of, uh, talent and skill and, um, uh, elite talent and skill, which I don't think he does. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a supporting player, but he's not uh, the kind of player who's going to carry your team. He, he's, he's a real important, he could be, if he played he could that, be way, that a real important yeah. secondary piece. And you look at Tampa Bay and they had uh, Jonathan Drouin and Brayden Point, uh, one of your, uh, uh, <laughs> fair to say, one of your favorite players to watch. Oh, absolutely. Since the World Juniors a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Tampa had that choice and they took and they let were happy to let Drouin go and, and hang on to Point because 
he's he gives you effort. Um, but both are kind of, uh, you know, have that uh, that supporting talent um, kind of uh, of of uh, quality to them. Um, and with that end to end rush, you got the feeling that that's the kind of hockey that Jonathan Drouin wants to play. He wants to play hockey. He wants to play pond hockey. He wants to play road hockey where he can stick handle through everybody or even better just let's make hockey uh, a, a 60 minute shootout where he can just go out there and he doesn't have to, to have anybody in front of him. <laughs> um, and, and he doesn't want to be hit. He doesn't want to fight for the puck. He doesn't want to go back and try to retrieve the puck and turn it up ice. Um, and I think th- those are the, the, the issues that most bother me about Jonathan Drouin uh, points aside, th- those come easy to him. Um, yeah. I want to see him. I want to see him work. I want to see some effort, um, and and uh, I want to, re- to him to recognize that what he's been doing to this point in the season hasn't been good enough. Yeah, and and you just said it. He could be something if he were to actually give the effort and actually try. And a lot of times it just doesn't look like he does. Most of the time it doesn't look like he does. And 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 you just said it again there with. Um, saying that that comes naturally to him. The offense comes naturally to him. So the amount of points that he has right now, and I'm, I can't, the number's escaping me. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a number that I think he could sleepwalk to and has to this point, you know? So this is all what Jonathan Drouin is about. And this is what he's been about his entire time here. And, you know, I just, I can't fathom why people would still watch Jonathan Drouin and see something that resembles an elite level talent, because quite frankly, he is not that because an elite level talent, even if defense is not the most, you know, they're uh, the most important thing to them. There are guys around this league that yes, they don't actually play very hard defensively and, and they've made a career out of that. But at the same time, they will show some sort of effort to get the puck back if they've lost it. They will show some sort of effort in their own zone from time to time. Jonathan Drouin, as you say, without the puck is a non-factor. And with the puck, more often than not, he is a non-factor because he doesn't have I, – I, 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 this is my opinion. I'm not sure if you would agree or, with, or many other people would agree. He doesn't possess an elite-level shot, which kind of eliminates – well, that eliminates half of the problems for the goaltender if he has the puck. The other half is a pass, and if he makes the pass, well, there's not a whole lot around him that can finish. But regardless, he's just night after night been a complete and utter non-factor. And for the Montreal Canadiens, paying him what they're paying him and having traded away what they traded away, this, to me, and people will point to, I mean, you look at the trades that Mark Bergevin has made, there's three real major ones, I guess four if you count Pacioretty, but Sergachev for Drouin, I think, is the is the worst one of the bunch. And people can point to what Sergachev has done this season. That really doesn't make a difference. You know, he's playing behind Victor Hedman and, and, and Ryan McDonough. So to me, that doesn't – people who look, just look at the numbers and say this is what it is aren't really getting the whole story because numbers – tell a lot, but they do not tell the whole story. And the whole story for Jonathan Drouin is that a lot of the time he just doesn't play hard. 
and that's an issue for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, so is there anything else and, you'd like and to get let's, to? Let's, yeah. ag- let's acknowledge that, um, you know, this, this is, he's on uh, a, a pace um, to set a career high in points. Um, and he's 13 goals, 20 assists for, for 33 points. Um, Domi's uh, slightly better, 14 goals, 25 assists for 39 points. I think the biggest yeah. difference between the two for me um, is that if if you look into it, uh, Matt Stomey gets a, um, a high number, a high percentage of his assists are, are primary assists. Um, yeah. He's he's driving the play. A high, uh, by contrast, a high number of Duran's assists are secondary assists. He just happens to be there, and yeah. um, and part of that is is what you've said. Um, uh 1747 uh time on ice he's averaging a game that's for Joanne. uh that's that's tops on the canadians as far as forwards goes yeah uh, he's getting the most ice time um um and and the most opportunity i guess um and and that's that's really odd for a a player um who half heartedly goes through um uh, his effort particularly on a team uh, where Mark Bergevin, that attitude was going to be this year. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's true. And uh, it seems as though that attitude and character is important unless you were, uh, you were acquired by Mark Bergevin a couple summers ago in a blockbuster trade, then it's okay. You don't really, it doesn't really matter. Uh, so I guess we'll move along now because we've discussed two of the, the major uh pieces on the Montreal Canadiens power play and I guess as the numbers would suggest for the power play those two major pieces haven't exactly brought along a very successful power play and we last spoke about the power play four episodes ago and at that time the Montreal Canadiens were 30th in power play percentage at 12.7 percent only Chicago was worse at 11.9 percent now the Montreal Canadiens Power play has improved just a bit. It's at 12.8%, but now they are dead last. And, uh, well, Chicago has uh, risen up the ranks quite a bit. And they're sitting at about 16%. Um, so we, we, we saw earlier today when uh, the lines were released for the Montreal Canadiens and, and what, what they were going to be going, uh, what they were going to be trying out tonight against Colorado that the power play got a little bit of a facelift. And uh, are you, uh, do you agree with what was done or do you understand what was done? I guess is the better question. <laughs> well, um, let me say, I understand it. Um, yeah. And, and what we're, <laughs> what we're seeing is on the first power play, we're seeing um, Kenny Agostino. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Claude Julien has, has a, a, a love for these kinds of players yeah. Um, and it's funny because um, in the St. Louis game on the bench kept getting glimpses of Steve Ott, uh, who's now an assistant coach with, with uh, St. Louis. Yeah. And I thought, you know, if, if Claude Julian had his druthers, uh, Steve Ott would be on the, the Canadians fourth line. <laughs> um, it's kind of, it's kind of just his mentality. Uh, yeah. But, but um the Habs, the new Habs power play has uh, Kenny Agostino, Shea Weber, 
Paul Byron, uh, Yol Armia, and uh, Jonathan Duran, uh, who we've been just speaking about. Uh, second wave is going to include uh, Gallagher, Kakanyemi, uh, Tatar, Domi, and Petrie. Um, and one of the things that um, I thought was interesting, uh, Claude Julien was, was angry um, after the last game and, and was asked about the, the um, uh, special teams, power play in particular. Um, and he said a couple of things revealing. Uh, he said, number one, um, um, that they, the, they play um, to speed in practice, uh, the power play does. Um, they, 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 they execute at, at, uh, with, with, with good pace. Uh, but when it gets to the games, it's incredibly slow. They're not executing quickly enough. Uh, yeah. and secondly, he said that on both the power play and, uh, the penalty kill, they're being outworked. They're being completely outworked. Um, that, that the, um, they're losing loose pucks. They're not getting them back. Um, that and and his conclusion uh, with respect to the power play was that the pace isn't quick enough and the work work ethic is missing. Um, and he even mentioned uh, that uh, you know there's there's 15 seconds left in in uh, the power play, uh, so I toss the fourth line on, and uh, they gain the zone and 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 get a shot. Um, and why can't the first wave do that? Uh, so yeah. that's why I think we see Agostino there. That's why we mm-hmm. see Armia there. Um, and, and, you know, someone like Byron who, who um, uh, works hard as well. I, yeah. Again, why is Duran there? If, 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 <laughs> if, if you're being good to your word, if you're talking about that it's, it's uh, an issue of, of, of pace and an issue of, of, uh, work ethic and why is Duran there? Because we see that that um, one of the issues for the Canadians is um, having essentially two power play quarterbacks. Um, yeah. Duran likes to quarterback the power play off the half wall. You have Shea Weber at the the uh, point who's quite capable of of uh, uh, quarterbacking a power play um, and. And one of the things, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm on the road this week and, and um, doing some scouting. And the, the, the interesting thing about being on the road um, um, and, and scouting, I, sh- I should say, and, and, and helping with the coverage of uh, AHL.report, uh, our, our AHL coverage, uh, and be sure to um, venture over there and, and, um, and, and, and get a lot of the great content. Um, Chris G, uh, Amy Johnson, uh, lots of great content there. Absolutely. But um, one of the, the opportunities that I have being on the road, in addition to talking to um, other scouts and, and, and um, uh, GMs and executives and, and so on, is when I sit down to watch a, a Canadians game, I, I often get the away feed. And on, on Thursday, um, I, I got the, the St. Louis feed and um, Darren Pang, um, uh, the analyst for, for the St. Louis feed. Um, and he, he said, he kind of uh, summed up the Canadians power play pretty easily. And he said, watch, watch, you're going to see a lot of cute plays by Duran down low. 
um, the Blues, they know what's coming. They're prepared for it. They've talked about it. They've talked about Druan. Um, and, and what happens is that with Duran trying to make the cute plays down low, they, the Canadians don't use their, their uh, biggest weapon, and that's Shea Weber very effectively. Yeah. Um, and, and Shea Weber, is, there's a, and I think there's, there's a little bit more to that. They also have trouble gaining the zone uh, to set yeah. up the power play. But once they do, Darren Pang was bang on that, that two things happen. You have Duran, who's trying to quarterback the, the power play, making poor decisions down low um, and, and often turning the puck over and then not having the work ethic to get it back and neglecting to, to get the puck to um, uh, Shea Weber, who is obviously should be the Canadian's biggest weapon and they're not using him very well. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's what makes this so curious to me because I under like Kenny Agostino, I could, you know, maybe if, if of all the, all the choices that you have on the, you know, on your roster, maybe he's not the guy that I go with, but I understand it. Joel Armia, I understand it. Paul Byron, same thing. Understand it. He's, those are guys, I mean, Armia and Byron that are reliable in all situations. And as you say, when they, you know, they just tossed out the fourth line, they managed to get zone entries. They managed to get a shot. And with Jonathan Drouin, I, I don't quite understand what the message is, is that you're okay with the way that he's played, even though a lot of the issues that the power plays had, that's currently the worst in the league. He's been out there basically all the time and your power play has been brutal. Your power play hasn't, you know, hasn't had any type of, of consistency to it. And the biggest part of that is, as you say, they are not using Shea Weber. They are not, <laughs> this is a guy that has probably the hardest shot in the NHL and they, they're just neglecting to involve him at all in the power play. And I remember years ago, the Montreal Canadiens power play basically consisted of tossing it to PK Subban and letting him just shoot it over and over again. And okay. Yeah, that didn't really work out that well, but I don't think he had a hard, as hard a shot as Shea Weber does. And if you actually incorporate some of, I mean, like in small doses, I understand Jonathan Drouin trying to make cute plays down low, but that should be a secondary or a third option, not the first one. And, you know, for Shea Weber just to be standing out there doing absolutely nothing is a complete waste of having a guy like Shea Weber and the shot that he possesses. So, yeah, I agree with that. And uh, fortunately, I mean, I think the second wave is looking pretty good if there's if that's any consolation um and i mean i i I, like i said i understand why byron and army are both there Druen don't really quite understand that but the second one as you said was gallagher kotniemi tatar domi and jeff petrie which i actually do like that unit and i would have actually rather see uh thomas tatar in place of jonathan Druen. but uh i I guess they do want to uh separate Druen and domi all together so I don't know. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they perform tonight. It is, and and the Canadians have to. Um, I mean, the power play is crucial. It's the one thing that if they change the power play, that's going to have the biggest impact. Uh, and Brandon Gallagher said exactly that. Um, you know, uh, a few weeks ago, I I said keep an eye on the New York Islanders. Um, yeah, because they're going to make a surge, and they did. And and um, 
they have now the uh, the top wild card spot. Buffalo with the, the the second wild card spot, and the Canadians are on the outside looking in. Um, yeah. I'm going to say um, now the Canadians uh, have to keep an eye on the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, yeah. They've been making a surge. Uh, they're only four points back of Montreal, and they have a game in hand. Uh, watch out for the the Carolina Hurricanes, and um, you know we're we're going to be we're going to be keeping a closer eye uh, now that it's the second half of the season. Now that we're close to the All Star break, and and uh, we'll be getting close to the trade deadline, we're going to be keeping a, a um, more close eye on the the um, standings. And if we look um, at at uh, if you look at either the athletic or, or sports club stats, two of the uh, the sources that that kind of look at where the Canadians are likely to end up, um, the athletic has the Canadians ending the season with about 90 points uh, that would have them um, with a 42 percent chance of of making the playoffs. Their projection is on the outside looking in. Uh, but that, that um, you know, uh, with some changes, and, and the power play could be one of them, uh, they could be uh, right there. Uh, but something has, to, something has to give. You can't get into the playoffs with uh, a power play that's ranked 31st in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and uh, as Mar- Mark Bergevin said earlier this week, there isn't going to be help on the way because um, – he is, at least he's said in, in publicly, and that hasn't necessarily meant a whole lot in the past, but this week he did say that the uh, price of a rental is too steep, and he knows what the other clubs are going to be asking for following the performances of Montreal Canadiens prospects at the World Juniors. So if Montreal is going to figure this out, it will have to be within their own organization. It has to be in-house. So that will be uh, another interesting little caveat on top of that. So uh, I guess we'll uh, wrap this thing up and we'll take a quick break unless there's anything else you'd like to get to before that. Uh, well, I want to get to uh, the, the reader's reaction. So um, yes, uh, yeah. I guess we'll get to that in the, in the next segment. Yeah, we'll get to all of your answers. Just a little bit of a reminder in case you forgot the question of the week this week. With both players slumping, what should be done with Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi? We've had our say. We want to hear what you think. So keep tweeting us in with your responses. We're going to be reading out the ones that have come in uh, or some of the ones that have come in to this point. So stick around. We'll be back right after this. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fanning. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHab when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHab.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Hab fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. 
If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection. We were talking about the Montreal Canadiens power play. And uh, now we're going to dive into some of the other issues. Boy, these the great Canadians. conversations. My goodness. I said yeah. before we should, we should broadcast them. We have great conversations. We do, yeah. And, then, and, and, and get, at, some point you, yeah. at some point you have to tell me what you think of Russell Martin going to the Dodgers. But, but that's, yeah. that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> Yeah, this these are yeah these are all the different conversations that we have. I'll give you my Raptors take later as well. <laughs> so um, yeah, we were talking about Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi, and we did have the question of the week. We threw it out before the show with both players slumping. What should be done with Jonathan Drouin and Max Domi? And there have been a lot of responses to this. This is certainly a hot button issue, and and nobody is shying away from uh, from this one. And uh, you know you have our own Trey Wilson, who's saying, I think they should be separated, put Domi with Gallagher, Tatar, and Drouin with either Janot and Armia, or cut Kniemi and Armia. You have Matt Smith uh, saying, the obvious decision is to split them up for the time being, which the coaching staff has done versus Colorado. They need to get back to basics, stop with fancy stick handling, pass first mentality, and simply get pucks on net to create scoring opportunities. Uh, Mo Bouchard saying similar players, Drouin more selfish, uh, more skill, selfish, poor hockey sense, doesn't care about the team. Uh, Domi has selfish tendencies, but I think he's smarter and uh, does work better with his teammates. But they both need someone who can get them focused on what's important, which uh, we did. We kind of touched on that a little bit earlier on. So that was, uh, yeah, that's certainly a theme with uh, Jonathan Drew and Max Domi, and, and we'll see if the players that they're playing with tonight can, uh, in fact, bring out some of those, uh, some good qualities out of them. And uh, continuing now with uh, Brian Mason saying, I'd sit Drew out for a game or two. Maybe that would get his attention, put Houdon in his spot. He has skill, and it would be a nice change instead of playing with uh, fourth liners, which, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be, that'd be interesting to see. Um, you have uh, Ian here, Ian Beckett, Team 79, saying that Drouin plays like Kovalev. He's lazy and only plays when he wants. And, you know, we were kind of talking about that in the break. I mean, there, yeah, it's uh, there's certainly uh, some similarities, but I think that, you know, Kovalev has a little bit more of an edge with the, uh, with the skill. But I will, I will say that, you know, there's certainly uh, the tendencies that 
you may have seen with Alex Kovalev in his time in Montreal. But yeah, uh, that's that's certainly very true of Jonathan Drouin, though. So, uh, yeah. And Peter saying, trade Drouin, he hasn't shown much to be uh he hasn't shown much to be impressed with since he came to Montreal and if things aren't going perfectly for him his complete le- uh compete level and uh and he disappears um i don't think he's made the team better and he's overpaid so a little bit of uh what we've already kind of kind of touched on with Jonathan Drouin Max Domi kind of sliding under the radar i guess he's kind of uh <laughs> i guess the novelty might be helping him out but certainly uh people are seemingly a little bit tired of Jonathan Drouin and his uh, his perceived laziness or uh, lack of intensity. Well, on Facebook, and to find uh, the page, just search for All Habs, all one word, All Habs. Uh, that's the All Habs fan page on Facebook. Uh, we do have a comment about Domi, and that comes ah. from Christopher, Christopher John Ferguson says, and he's addressing his fellow com- commenters here, uh, it's at the bottom of several comments. He says, y'all bitching about Domi. Where were you guys <laughs> when he was playing like a god at the start of the season? And and as we acknowledged, he had a great start, 11 goals in his yeah. first 22. Uh, but, um, you know, <laughs> you can't sit back and say, all right, uh, we won't criticize him for the rest of the season because uh, he made a good first impression, as I said. Yeah. Um. Wanezi Apo says, uh, scratch both of them for a game or two because we're losing anyways. What's there to lose if you do a bit of prep time? Um, it might help. Uh, Don uh, Papano says, Duran is scared to go and try to win battles one-on-one. He has to be more physical. They both have to shoot the puck more. Uh, yeah. Alan LaRoss says, uh, Duran uh, would improve with some time in Lavelle. Uh, well, I don't think that's, that's wow. going to happen. Um, Kieran Homan says uh, Duran needs to involve himself in the play a little bit more than he has been, perhaps play with a little more edge to the game. I can't help but feel like Shaw being out of the line, lineup has made a difference for that line in a negative way. Uh, it's a good point. Uh, they, they, is, were, yeah. they were struggling at times, but um, yeah. as we saw and as was reported, uh, Shaw was in Jonathan Duran's ear, uh, giving him the business on a regular basis about his effort, and yep. um, and it seemed to have a positive effect. Um, and and really and the defensive conscience of that line with Max Dome as well. That's right. That Shaw was yeah. was uh, was the person who covered up for a lot of the errors. And, uh, Shaw was the person that that dug the puck. Shaw was the person yeah. uh, who went to the dirty areas. Um, those were the kinds of things that, that, uh, um, we would have hoped that, um, uh, the other two players would have learned, b- uh, by example, <laughs> but, uh, unfortunately, um, it didn't seem to rub off unless, uh, Shaw was in the, uh, was in the lineup. Yeah. That's a very interesting point. That was, uh, yeah, I was actually thinking about that earlier as well as, I mean, they were struggling before Shaw got uh, went down with another injury, but at the same time, I mean, it, it just did feel like there was a little bit more of an, you know, of an intensity, a little bit more of a, of an attention to detail and getting after it with Andrew Shaw in the lineup. So uh, hopefully a, a speedy recovery for, uh, for Andrew Shaw and get him back. And, and hopefully, I mean, he's also been a guy that Claude Julian has 
has put out there on the power play. He's a bit of a net front presence, a guy that's digging pucks out and winning battles. So he has uh, he has been very important for the Montreal Canadiens after a somewhat slow start. So that was a very good point uh, from I, I forget who uh, what the name was on on that. Kieran Hunnam. <laughs> yeah. There you go. That was a great point. I, I approve of that message. <laughs> so, um, shall we wrap things up, Rick? I think we're gonna we're gonna have a quick uh, bad tweet. We've Ooh. got uh, a couple. We've got a couple in the queue. We might as well uh, we might as well yes. air one while we have a few minutes. Get, yeah, get it out. Get it out while we can. Here's some bad tweets. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on the Canadians Connection. All right, so before we wrap this up, I'll turn it over to Rick, and Rick can uh, can share a nice bad tweet for everybody before we go. <laughs> we have Alex. Um, his Twitter handle is HabCentral, and it's pretty well known that that uh, Alex doesn't care for Carey Price in the least. Ah. He doesn't. He uh, constantly uh, um, puts out a little bit of hate towards Carey Price. So... Um, on uh, Thursday night's game, um, Alex says, I know most of the goals tonight aren't Price's fault. but when, and, and let's say that there was uh, three breakaway goals. There was a shorthanded goal. Uh, there was uh, the power play goal where uh, Price had made three saves. He had no defense around him. And finally, um, uh, on the fourth chance, it went in. Um, so saying that most of the goals, none of them were, were, were carried by his <laughs> fault. Um, so he says, I know most of the goals tonight aren't Price's fault, but when does he come out and say enough is enough? Well, I think he has said that a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, he needs to own up to how he's playing, whether or not it's his fault. He needs to own up to how he's playing, whether or not it's his fault. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, <laughs> he's making $10.5 million and he's the longest tenured. Uh, so because he's making the most, he has to take blame for everything, I guess, is yep. what Alex is saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is one of the dumbest tweets in a long time. Uh, when you look at it, and, and you alluded to it earlier, um, that that game um, against the St. Louis Blues on Thursday night, the Blues had um, 21 high-danger chances, 21, which is a ridiculous mm-hmm. number. Uh, yep. If you look at, at uh, Antti Niemi, um, uh, and, and lots of people were, were praising Niemi for um, his, his game on, uh, on Tuesday night against Detroit, the Red Wings had five high-danger chances in that game. They scored on two of them. Um, so uh, Antti Niemi had to face five high-danger chances and got a win. Carey Price had to face 21 high-danger chances <laughs> from the Blues. 21. Yeah. That's ridiculous. He was left hanging out to dry all game long. Uh, yeah. So Alex, you take the honors this week for the bad, the bad tweet of the week. And calling for Carey Price to be accountable or to, you know, or to come out and, and say that, you know, he hasn't been good enough. Yeah. He's done that before. He said earlier this season that he's got to get it straightened out. And he's, he did that with the month of December from that point on, he's been, remarkable and I mean even you make the argument before that he was being remarkable but regardless uh, since Shea Weber's return to the lineup it looks like things have straightened out a little bit because the defense has been better and Carey Price has also been uh, been very good but 
yeah, as you say, 21 high danger scoring chances against. And the one thing that you don't get with Carey Price, which you could, you very, you would have all the reason in the world, he could come out and say that the guys in front of him have got to be better. And he has not done that. It, there's been very, very seldom throughout his entire career has he ever put the blame on anyone other than himself. You can point to the incident where he gave Michelle Therrien that, uh, that glare as he left the ice a couple of years ago. That's really the only one that comes to mind for me. He's always been the guy that says, you know what, I've got to be better. I've got to do this. And everyone else can climb on my back and I will carry us to do this if I have to. So yes, this, uh, this, this was no doubt easily the, uh, the bad tweet of the week for this week. All right. So uh, do you want to say anything else before we, uh, before we wrap this up? Well, I will just say that um, we'll see you next week, but uh, in between time, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can yeah. find me uh, on, on uh, you can find uh, uh, either on, on Twitter, on Instagram, on YouTube, um, on Facebook, uh, just search for all Habs, uh, all one word, all Habs, uh, any of those places, uh, text the all Habs, uh, line there night. And we'll, uh, we'll, uh, either respond to you there or we'll get your, your text on the air next week. That's five, eight, five, three rocket. Um, and, um, yeah, we just, uh, whether on the road or, uh, wherever we uh wherever we are we also love to uh, uh meet fans and and say hello and shake your hand and and uh so don't be afraid to uh if you're in one of these arenas to uh, uh send a message and we'd be glad to come and say hello to you absolutely uh so yeah you can follow me on twitter at joeyla19 you can follow rick manning the at, at all habs account and uh, this podcast has its own twitter account you can follow at all at Habs Connection, excuse me, on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, you can uh, you can subscribe to uh, to this podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms: iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher. Just search for Rocket Sports Radio and subscribe. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back with you this time next week. We're going to be talking about everything that the Montreal Canadiens uh, have. Uh, everything Montreal Canadiens as usual and uh yeah tonight they're going to be playing the colorado avalanche so that'll be an interesting game and uh yeah we'll be right back with you next week to discuss all of the things that uh that surround the montreal canadians and uh, that will be at 1 p.m eastern 2 30 newfoundland time we'll see you then thanks for tuning in to canadians connection for the latest news on the montreal canadians follow us on twitter at Connection and visit allhabs.net